Welcome to Torah Talk, a program that challenges 2,000 years of misunderstanding and neglect of the Torah, God's law. In this show, we will be threshing ideologies by examining these scriptures in their Hebraic contexts. Our goal is to separate the wheat from the chaff, the truth from misconception. This program is sponsored by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation in Thornton, Colorado. Shalom, lovers of the Torah, and thank you for choosing to listen to Torah Talk. We have a great podcast for you. We'll be midrashing on the Torah portion, Ki Tavo, and it deals with the principles of national blessings and national cursings. And I believe that it has a lot to say for us today in America. And so we've decided to kind of open up a midrash, hit some of the high points in this Torah passage. We think you will love this. And uh, again, we thank you for listening and for your prayers and your support for making this possible. Um, Before we get started, I would like to welcome in the studio today my guests, Minister Don and Messianic Torah teacher BJ. Thank you for being on the show and uh, welcome. Do you have anything you want to say as we get started? I just want to say that I really want, as far as our nation, to be blessed. Good. I'm super excited to be uh, discussing this portion. It's one of my favorite portions of the Torah, and I just think it's very timely, and it's timely for me to hear it, too. It's great. Yeah, there's so much here, and the, and the portions are so relevant. And even though they're written, you know, 3,500 years ago, uh, and they go way, way back, even earlier in the oral traditions. And it's amazing, though, how relevant it is. There's nothing new under the sun. It's kind of like, you know, we we have a frame of reference to to interpret and uh, discover and understand where we're at as a nation. And so I'm so thankful for this. Uh, we're coming into the fall holidays. So we have Rosh Hashanah, or what is known biblically as Yom Teruah, the day of blowing, blowing of trumpets. And then 10 days later on the 10th day, Yom Kippur. And then following that, we have Sukkot. And so we're into these fall holidays. Just weeks, weeks from now, we'll be stepping into um, kind of a new season and almost a new year, if you want to look at that as the new year as well. Um, That's the season, though, of judgment. That's the season where God judges nations from year to year. And we see that principle found in the Word of God. Um, And you know what? We've been watching our nation uh, fall further and further away from God. We've seen cycles of seven years of judgment come and go, uh, beginning in 2001 with the bombing of our trade centers in New York. That was, it shook the world. Uh, And and we had a series of judgments that fell after that as well. And uh, for seven years, we did not repent. And so in 2008 on Rosh Hashanah, uh, the stock market then falls 777 points. And then 10 days later on Yom Kippur, we have the official crash of the stock market. Uh, And again, the nation did not listen. And we had a series of judgments that rolled in for the next seven years. And here we are at the beginning of a new series of seven. This is a new uh, cycle of seven years that we're about to step into. Uh, Before we get started, let me just ask. Do you think we've repented as a nation? Have we come back to God as a nation in light of what's happened over the last seven years? In light of what's happened in this last year, are there indications that, yep, America has really uh, humbled herself and has come back to to God and uh, her faith is stronger than ever? This last year has been a year of craziness where I... 
I, I always felt like I was a little set apart by being, you know, kind of perceived as too, uh, not maybe too religious, but, you know, wow, I'm, I'm pretty conservative. And, and now this year, I, I just think the things that, that we never would have been arguing about whether it was right or wrong are now things that I think, am I crazy? Am I really, have I missed how it is that all of this is now acceptable to the world and that I'm the odd man out? It just, it seems like we are so far away from the Lord this year and so far away from repenting and that our, it just to me feels like this year our motto is you can't be offended by anything, you can't speak against anything, and everyone can just do as it is that they please and we all have to go along with it. I, I feel like we are so far from being a nation of a repentive people and one who walks in the in the Torah of God. Yeah, I, I'm as as shocked as you are. I am astounded. And I think, and maybe I'm just wrong in this, but I think not only are we our farthest away from God, there is some profound uh, incidents uh, that have happened this year that we as a nation have entered into that really uh, kind of manifest that, that high-handed rebelliousness that, that says, God, you are not welcome here. We do not want you here. And we want to be free of all of your ways. And so it is, it's almost kind of a, uh, anarchy, a spiritual anarchy, uh, from, from God and who he is and his ways. I, I'm just as astounded. Yeah. It just seems like even the church, we're just picking and choosing what, what part of the word that we want to follow. So it's like, oh, I, that's not really a big deal. I think, you know, I'm not going to do that or I'm going to do this, but you know, when you look at God's word, he says, I, you know, want you to do these things. These are my instructions. And if you don't do these things, the curses will come. And when you read in Deuteronomy, even 28, it's pretty appalling of the things that can happen to us. And I'm just really sad because what I see is persecution coming to the church, those that want to follow God's ways. And we're looked at as bigots and these people that are not with up with what's going on, yeah. you know, get your act together. Yes. And it's yeah. really sad. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It is very sad. And I think, um, when, when I read the Torah portion, Kitavo, and it has the blessings and the cursings, and it's talking about corporate blessings and corporate cursings based on what a people group does in response to, uh, God's grace and God's ways. It wakes me up. I, I think to myself, wow, you know, um, Israel's kind of the paradigm for the nations. And Jeremiah tells us very, very clearly that God judges the nations, not just Israel. He judges the nations on the same basis of his morality, his moral uh, uh, um, ideas and ways. He judges the nations. And so I think to myself, wow, we need to pay attention and figure this out. Because like you had said at the beginning of the show, uh, you desire that our nation would be blessed. And I do, too. I, I want to have a nation that's blessed who, who wants to live in the midst of the curses? And it's it's not funny, but it would be if it wasn't so painful that, um, you know, the, the curses come and then we, we're mad at God for that too. You know, the nation, yeah. you know, uh, you know, strikes his fist on, on, on the table and, you know, how dare you, God, not bless us? How dare you send curses? And then God reminds us through Jeremiah, hey, I didn't send them. You beckoned them. You called them. You brought the curses. Your own behavior brought the curses. 
And I think that's so true. There are consequences for our decisions. And uh, we need to recognize that if we want to have any hope of finding our way out of what is become an increasing and more intensified set of curses in, in our national life. So, and I, 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 you know, just, just, you know, uh, thinking through this for a long, long time, I don't think we're going to repent. I don't think we're going to repent anytime soon. I think we're going to have to go through, uh, some very difficult, difficult times before the nation as a nation, uh, humbles itself. And that's sad. But you know what? God is sovereign. He's not going to sweep away the righteous with the wicked. And I believe that uh, that for those who love God and are walking in his ways, uh, God will watch over us as he uh, releases uh, the very curses that we have beckoned as a nation. So that's the good news. Okay, so let's jump into this to our portion. It's very exciting. And and then we'll make some uh, application to our own own lives. So in Deuteronomy 27, I want to start there. It's kind of in the middle of the portion. Um, but in Deuteronomy chapter 27, I'll begin reading. Uh, it says, Then Moses and the elders of Israel charged the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. So it shall be on the day when you cross the Jordan into the land which the Lord your God gives you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones and coat them with lime. And write all, I'm sorry, write on them all the words of this law when you cross over so that you may enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your fathers promised you. So it shall be when you cross the Jordan, you shall set up on Mount Ebal these stones as I'm commanding you today and you shall coat them with a lime. Moreover, you shall build there an altar to the Lord your God an altar of stones you shall wield, not wield, on an iron tool on them. You shall build the altar of the Lord your God of uncut stones, and you shall offer on it burnt offerings to the Lord your God. You shall sacrifice peace offerings and eat there, and rejoice before the Lord your God. Verse 8. You shall write on the stones all the words of this law very distinctly. So just, you know, opening, opening this up, I just, I just see in this an incredible set of promises of blessing, a land flowing with milk and honey, houses already built, cisterns already dug, vineyards uh, already cultivated. I mean, it is like an amazing, amazing land gift and blessing in every way imaginable, just given to them. And God says, now, before you go in, before you go in, let's 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 talk a little bit and make sure that we're all in the same frame of reference. He says, when you go in, I want you first to write all the words of this Torah, this law, very distinctly. Write them out. How does that come across to you? What do you think of uh, when you think of that? What was that intended to do for them? I, to me, it just comes across as a let's all make sure we're on the same page and we'll go through this one more time. Let me be clear. And then not only will we uh, will we review them again, you're going to write them out word for word distinctly like that. It would become so uh, 
obvious or so a part of who it is that they were. And it was almost like God giving them an opportunity to to really clarify it within them, but also kind of taking away the, well, I didn't understand that part, or is that what you really said? Or it, it just was, bef- it, it was almost, you see later in this passage where they will say something and the people will say amen, and they will say something and the people will say amen. And, and it's, you understand what it is that you're agreeing to. Yeah. This isn't something yeah. that you signed up for that you went, well, he never told me we were gonna have to do all the commandments. Right. Uh, he, he's clear on, and then later I think it becomes a, you're blaming God because you're receiving a curse, but he told you, I mean, in his graciousness and his kindness, he was very clear, went through it uh, more than once. And then had you write it out more than once, you've got no one to blame, but yourself. Yes. You know, I think whenever someone says, Hey, let's talk again. And you've already talked through that several times. And then he's basically saying, repeat after me. And then he's saying, now write this out. That has to be because it's super, super, super important to him. Because if it wasn't, then you don't do those things. You only do them if they're like really, really crucial. And so I, I agree. I agree totally. This is a big deal. And they needed to write that out. You know, uh, we, we perform marriage ceremonies. And um, we work with, you know, people that get engaged. And, and then we help them understand how serious uh, this this institution of marriage is and that it's intended for a lifetime till death do us part. And so in order to get that across to the couple, we talk about it at length and then we have premarital counseling on top of it. And then we make them write their vows out. They don't get to just share their vows. They get to write their vows out. And if they're not writing their vows out, we give them a set of vows that are written out And then they have to sign off on that. And then when we go through the ceremony again, we make them recite the vows. I say, John Doe, repeat after me. I, John Doe. I, John Doe. You know, and I make them repeat it out loud with witnesses. Why? Why? Because we're not talking about committing to a tournament of tennis or soccer. This is a marriage. This is a big deal. And so we're going to lay out the foundations, the expectations, the commitments, and those vows are going to be understood, written, recited, and repeated in the hearing of many witnesses because it's a big deal. Everyone knows that at some point in your marriage, multiple times in your marriage, you're going to have problems sufficient enough that you're going to say, you know what? I'm not sure I want to stay in the marriage. And guess what happens? We get to wave that certificate and say, excuse me excuse me, you made this commitment. We are witnesses. You're going to work this out. And by the way, it's worth working it out and it will get better. And you'll be glad that we reminded you of what you wrote and recited out loud in our hearing. That's the purpose. And I believe that's what God's saying. I want to make it really clear because in the future, you're going to get upset because you're going to get off track and then you're going to blame me for the curses when you brought them. And then you're going to look for a way out. I'm not letting you out. This is a good deal, a blessing. Strive for the blessing. I was going to say, and how many times are we listening to someone talk or someone preach or, and we are mind wanders and we're not really listening. And then we might ask the person next to us, what did he say? 
you know, so that's why God wants. And you never do that because I'm the one that preaches, right? (laughs) So he wanted, and when you write it out, he wanted us. I know she did. No, I didn't. (laughs) So he wanted us to write it out to make sure that we heard that. Yes. That we, like BJ said, we didn't have any excuse to say, I did not hear that. I did not know that. God says, you have no, I want to make sure that you have no excuse not to know what my instructions are and what I expect of you. Yes. Well, and as I'm thinking about this as as it relates to marriage, it, it just seems like we take those vows so casually and we do that with God's Torah and we do that with, you know, I'll follow God or I'm born again or I'm, I'm a believer in Christ. And then we kind of half-heartedly follow. And I'm thinking I've been to different, different weddings of people who have different religious backgrounds. And I've been to weddings where it was really a secular wedding and, um, not religious at all. And, and I can't remember a wedding that I went to where their vows didn't say until death do us part. And then I am thinking through how many of those got divorced within five years of that time and, and how we don't take those commitments seriously. We don't say, if I'm committing to this God, I'm sincerely committing to this. And this isn't a, I will do this as long as you, or, uh, you know, I will commit to this until death do us part. But really what I mean is until it is that I'm having a struggle financially, God, and then after that, I'm not following you anymore. Or we just don't take it, that commitment seriously in so many areas of our life. And I think we certainly do that. We certainly do that with God. You know, it's interesting because that reminds me as well that um, we'll have, we'll have uh, married couples who through some difficult times will decide they're getting a divorce. And uh, when we get them in to talk to them about that, uh, oftentimes, and even in the world, but even in the church, we're, we're, we're seeing more and more that the, the stated reason in, in, in reference to their divorce is irreconcilable differences. That's it. You know, we still like each other, but you know, we just have these irreconcilable differences and that's the basis of the divorce. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, did, was your vows, uh, tell irreconcilable differences and then we part right. that wasn't your vows. It was the death do you part and the exception clause that Jesus gives because yes, sometimes a marriage will end. And the only time that that's uh, um, acceptable or allowable is uh, in the case of, of pornea or, or strong, what we would call strong um, immorality. And, you know, it's already defined for us in the, in the Torah. Uh, but the idea is, is this not based on irreconcilable differences? You don't part because you have strong disagreements. You don't, you, it's till death do you part. And so uh, that is so, how would you put it? Um, that's such a high, high institution and commitment that that's why we make you uh, repeat that and understand it and dialogue and then state it with each other and then repeat it in front of a big group at your wedding. Yeah. It's designed to help you stay the course. It was on a Christian radio station. They were talking about divorce. And one of the issues was that people are getting divorced over is house chores. And house, so house chores, house chores that, that one of the reasons that they're getting divorced is because they're fighting over the chores. <laughs> I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah, is that amazing? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know what, Jesus, he has, a, he has a way of defining irreconcilable differences. You know what he says they are? Hardness of heart. You're just 
hard-hearted? Where is your compassion? Where is your humility? You know, well, my husband, this or that, or my wife, this and that, you know, and she's not even my friend. She's, she's my enemy or whatever, you know? Well, what did Jesus say about your enemy? Love your enemy, you know? So what? Well, I just can't do it. I'm not happy. Well, so what? Why don't you pick up your cross? You want to follow Jesus? Pick up your cross and follow him. You know, that's not a happy time, by the way. You know, picking up your cross is not happy at all. It is, it is giving up everything and then ultimately walking a path that ultimately leads to your own death because you chose to love him and follow him. And so, you know what? I think that we got to get over this. I deserve to be happy syndrome and learn to love God and love each other and stay the course and the commitments we make because these commitments actually will bring the blessing. Just got to hold on a little bit. Got to persevere a little bit. So, okay, good. Let's go on. I want to read this next verse. It's verse nine. It says this, then Moses and, and just, just how this resonates in your spirit, just share with me. Then Moses and the Levitical priests spoke to all Israel saying, be silent and listen. Oh, Israel, this day you have become a people for the Lord, your God. You shall therefore obey the Lord, your God, and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Comments. You know, these are people who have been together for a long time. It's not like this is a brand new group to them. But there's something significant that happens to this day where he says you've become a people. You know, this day you've become a people. And it makes me think, well, they've been a people traveling along for quite some time. So what's different this day? And it's the, you have committed to follow and walk in the Lord. And there's a unity that comes within that of a a group of people who are now a people unto the Lord because of their uh, unity and also because of their commitment to him. And I, you know, when, when, one of the things I've, I've said before, I'm sure people have heard is, uh, you know, you can't do anything to, to make God, God, God is God, but our response is to make him our God and to make that an intimacy issue. And that's what it feels like to me here is the, you're making this commitment and it feels like a marriage ceremony almost of like, yeah, you've been, you've been dating or you've been seeing each other, but now today you are making a commitment and there's so much that prefaces their commitment of let's be clear about what this is. You know what it is that you're walking into and, and today, congratulations, you've become a people of God. And so obey him, do his commandments and, you know, on your way. It's, it's a, it's a really simple instruction, not necessarily easy, but it's a simple instruction of you're now a people of God. And so live like it. Yep. You know, people groups are people groups because they usually have borders, um, language and a culture. They have a set of values that they share, a set of traditions that they share that makes them who they are. And God's saying, now you've become my people. Guess what? I have a culture and that culture is expressed in the keeping of these commandments. By doing these commandments, you'll have a shared lifestyle. You'll have shared traditions. You actually create a shared culture, but it's based on my ways And that's going to make you different than the nations around you. But since you're my people now, since you're my people, guess what? Obey me. 
Keep my commandments and my statutes. And obviously you can say, no, I'm not interested. That's right. Obviously you can go back to Egypt. But what you don't get to say is, yeah, I'm signing up, but I'm not keeping any commitments. That's like standing up to your, to your spouse on your wedding day and saying, you know what? I'm not making the vows. You know, you, you make the vows and I'm going to, I'm going to be here and I want the benefits of marriage, but I don't want to make any commitment to you, nor have, nor have to fulfill anything. Uh, but let's go ahead with the ceremony. Yeah. What spouse is going to say, yeah, okay, we'll go ahead with the ceremony. It's like hit the road, Jack, you know? And so, yeah, I think, wow, this, this says it all. And I think that it's, uh, important to remind all of us and to remind ourselves we are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. We're not the Lord God. He's the Lord God. We're his people. So we're really instructed, commanded to walk in his ways, which by the way, bring blessings to our lives. It's not like he's asking us to do something that actually is a form of a curse, you know, that will diminish us is designed to empower us and to bless us and to establish us in those blessings. I just think of, I've seen people choose to not follow God's ways and just the things that happen in our lives. It's almost like there is a confusion that comes over their mind, like God has hands them over to that. And some of the decisions that they make, you're thinking, why are you making those kind of decisions? Don't you see that that could hurt you? That your life will be diminished if you continue on that path? I'm just astonished that, you know, and then they're shaking their hands at God. God, why did you bring this on me? And I'm thinking, well, you made those decisions yourself. He didn't bring anything on you. You brought it on yourself. That's Jeremiah over and over and over. You brought this on yourself. God tells Jeremiah, tell my people, they brought this to themselves. They beckoned the curse. And so, yeah, it's just, we've all been there. We've all been there. And so uh, hopefully we're learning from this. Well, go ahead, BJ. Go ahead. And one of the arguments we get from oftentimes from other believers as messianics is that we're walking in legalism. And I look at that and I think it's so weird to me. I know what you're trying to say legalism means, but I'm telling you that if I walk in obedience to his commandment, he blesses me. I don't understand how that's legalistic. And, and that's a confusion. That's a distraction of the enemy of saying, well, if God really loved you, he'd, you know, you'd walk in freedom. Or if God really loved you, then he wouldn't uh, put these restrictions. And I think it's such a kind and loving God who says, I know what's best for you. Don't step into that area because it will bring curses upon you. And so we try to, in, in order to, you know, step aside from that legalism, we end up putting in ourselves in a place where we're just walking in curses. Oh, I know. We're calling yeah. it freedom and yeah. we're walking in curses. I've never heard such irrational talk in my entire life than I hear in, in those corridors, in those uh, contexts. And I think to myself, when people tell me, you know what? Freedom is liberty from the law. I think to myself, How insane is that? I'm free from the law. What does that mean? Give me a little adultery, you know, give me a little bestiality. Hey, give me a little child abuse. You know, let's have a little murder going around here. It's like, come on. That's the most ludicrous thing that people can say. I can't even talk to people like that anymore. I just, I figured there's a, there's a level of, there's a level of, um, craziness 
that I'm afraid to even interact with in case it might get on me a little bit. So I, I, I tend to just dismiss myself. In case their machine rubs off <laughs> no on you. No kidding, man. Well, think about if, um, as far as our children, if we just said, have all the freedom that you want, no instructions, what would that look like? You can just cross the street anytime you want. You can just uh, put your hand on the stove anytime you want. Play you know, with the There's scorpion. dangerous chemicals underneath the sink. Just have at it. I yeah. mean, drink some comet. <laughs> Like, you know, okay, so obviously, obviously, you, you can catch the gist of why that's yes. ludicrous, uh, but it does bring us to the close of our show, show today, and uh, I want to thank you for uh, tuning in and listening to us, um, and I want to just say a special thanks to our great King, Yeshua the Messiah, my co-host, our teacher BJ, thank you, and my guest, Minister Don, thank you for being on the show. And to our listeners and supporters for making this podcast possible through your ongoing prayers and financial giving, thank you so much. I'm your host, Tori Teacher Mark, and until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua the Messiah. Shalom. Torah Talk has been brought to you by The Harvest a Messianic Charismatic Congregation located at 8891 Pose Boulevard in Thornton, Colorado. Your host has been Pastor Mark McClellan. Join us for Sabbath services at 1 p.m. next Saturday afternoon. For more information, please call us at 303-761-9948 or visit our website at www dot grafted in that's g-r-a-f-t-e-d-i-n dot com god bless you and shalom